Welcome to another episode of the Unapologist Podcast, where the best PD happens in your own backyard. Today, we have the apple of what beautiful human design is about, Christopher Wilson. <laughs> listen, listen, if I'm the apple, guess what, bud? You're the entire orchard. The entire oh, orchard. Wow, I was not expecting that. That was you set that one up. You're very kind. You're very kind. I'm more very like accurate. Core, more like the core that drops in the ground. Vito McKenzie on this. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how are we doing this week? Uh, you know what, Vito? Uh, time of recording. It's convention week for uh, for me. It's been a productive week. Uh, tomorrow, jump into watching sessions online. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's changed quite a bit, but it's been a really good week. Kept, kept funny, you get some a little bit of time off, but in this industry, time off is just, you know, more time to plan awesome stuff, more time to mark stuff, more time doing a, a pretty, have, have some pretty interesting and exciting things coming up for uh, my school that uh, I don't want to talk about just yet, just in case the, 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 the bottom falls out of it. But uh, I've been making some pretty cool phone calls. Uh, how are you doing, bud? You know what? It's It's been a good week here. I don't quite get the quote unquote time off. And in fact, I was even thinking of taking a day just to get things wrapped up. But it's just so much effort to take a day off, especially now. It's and, hard. And being in virtual, like I, you're not planning for one class or a few classes. It's 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 a four hour day you have to, or a four lesson day you have to plan for for one class. So, it just becomes easier to to be there. Um, but I've, otherwise, think things are going well. No, I think things are good on this end. And, I'm glad to hear that. You know, we're just we're already going to be ending another course for me and starting another one. And uh, at the time of recording, our our, our province. Uh, has announced that our March break has been shifted to April. So April break, April break, right after the Easter break. So what are, you know, our students are a bit disappointed, but you know, come April, I think we'll all be happy then. And you know, uh, that's, that might, it might, cause we have an April break here. I mean, obviously we have convention break as well, but it's more of a PD break that we're on right now. We do have one or two days off, but it's more of a PD break. But with that later break, it might make that rush into the summer vacation go quite a bit quicker oh it'll be super fast super fast and we're just waiting for that acceleration point but you know there's one thing we want to accelerate on now because we got somebody here oh we got a special guest tonight like you we we got, got a, a legend guest. a legend, legend a legend on here tonight don't we chris to, who, who, to please tell our audience who we got well let me tell you tonight we are talking with sobi hamed and he is uh he's a real legend now this is a man Born and raised in Fort McMurray, uh, went through the school system here, became a teacher, uh, did his placements here in Fort McMurray, uh, started his career in Fort McMurray, and is continuing his career in Fort McMurray. But the reason why I just said we have to have this uh, gentleman on the show is when you think about uh, the coaches that you've had for school sports, so you think about if you think about those movies, and there's that that amazing coach. I hear so many people talking about Sobi as like the coach. Like he's another one of those people who you find a student wandering in a place they're not supposed to be. What are you doing? Well, I just need to talk to Mr. Hamed. No, you don't. But it's about, it's about, <laughs> um, and he just, he's, he's a great mentor. He's a great coach. He's an excellent teacher. And I'm so thrilled to have him on. Sobi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Vito. It's a pleasure to be here. 
so excited to be one of your guests on an awesome, awesome podcast that you guys are putting together. Oh, thank oh, we you appreciate so much. That. Please, please don't feed Chris's ego anymore. No way, <laughs> Vito does it enough, and I do it even more. It has to grow with the beard, right? The ego grows <laughs> with the beard. And, uh, even though this is audio, and uh, people might not know what the beautiful Mr. Chris Paulson looks like. <laughs> I, I think the don't worry, the beard comes through in audio. It's that epic. Welcome to the show. Please, welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, man, this, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm really pumped because whenever Chris brings someone on and introduces them with that whole tagline of students are always leaving class to see this teacher, it's you, you always have to know what the story is. And that's how we like to actually start our show. So w- one thing that Chris kind of alluded to is that your journey to teaching kind of started and ended uh, or is currently going where you're at right now. But uh, please, from your perspective, please tell, tell us the story of your journey into teaching and where you are today and what brought you into coaching and uh, just where, where you're at. Yeah, for me, it, uh, I guess from what one of my previous teachers told me was I, apparently I wanted to be a teacher since I was in grade one. It was something that was listed in one of the things. What do you want to do when you grow up? But as I went through uh, high school here in Port McMurray and even my elementary time, what I wanted to do always changed depending on who was I around, who I was around, whether it was friends who were interested in cars. Oh, I want to become a mechanic. You know, it was friends that would bring me their problems. Oh, I want to become a psychologist. Oh, I want to help people uh, with prosthetics and, and stuff like that, but incorporate sports. Oh, I wanted to do biomedical engineering. But then throughout that, I guess what made me realize the underlying foundation to anything I wanted to do was to help people. My grade 12 year, I was accepted into the engineering program at the University of Alberta from a little bit of pressure from my family because they want, obviously, their children to be as successful as possible intellectually, financially, and the engineering profession kind of gives that. However, I purposely failed my physics 30 diploma to no longer be admitted into the engineering program at the University of Alberta so I can pursue uh, the passion that I have for education. So, so you, you doing... purposely threw that? Like you just said, yeah, no. I did. oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So I had, I had like the grade that I was, so the diploma exam, the provincial exam in Alberta when I was in high school was 50% of the final grade. Mm-hmm. I did the math. I had to get about a 35 on that diploma in order to get a below a 50 to no longer be admitted to the engineering program. So I like, well, I was out of the, I was out of the diploma exam within an hour when it should have took me two. So, but that's something because it's something I wanted to pursue, which was education. And I knew that if I was to be admitted into the engineering program, I would have had a lot of pressure to continue to do that and go down that path. So I ended up doing the education program in Fort McMurray as well. So at Cano College, there's a collaborative degree with the University of Alberta, where they actually flew professors up to Fort McMurray once a week. And I did my entire education degree in Fort McMurray as well. This is home to me. And it's something that I wanted to kind of give back to the next generation what was given to me. And I was blessed with so many great teachers that I can now consider colleagues, at least the ones that didn't retire. And for me, it's like I said, the whole idea of of helping people and how can I help humanity more so than starting at the grassroots level with, with students. I was always a believer that schools were meant to not only educate, but to create proper citizens in society. 
to some level, functioning citizens in society to some level. <laughs> I like how you said that, functioning. And I wanted, to, I wanted to pursue that. I was able to do my degree in five years, met some tremendous people throughout the journey. And then I became the first Muslim teacher to be hired on to the Catholic school board here in, in Fort McMurray. So I was really impressed that I was able to you know, break some barriers there. And that was kind of my specialty. I got a job teaching beginning engineering and robotics at a junior high and high school level, even though that is not really my background, but it's something that I'm interested in. And then from that, I was able to kind of get my foot in the door. This is my sixth year teaching now this year. And I've been all over the place from teaching robotics and engineering to computer science to junior high math and science. I started this year teaching grade six, but then I got transferred to a junior high school and now I'm teaching high school math and English. It's been, it's been quite the journey this year as well. For me, at the end of the day, especially with the English course that they brought up to me, they're like, hey, we're going to have to give you an English course to fill out your schedule. And they're like, could you do that? I was like, well, I'm a teacher. I could teach anything if you give me the time to learn it. And that's kind of my philosophy is my profession is not I'm a math teacher or I'm a robotics teacher or I'm this or that. It's I'm a teacher. I'm an educator, whether it's five year olds or whether it's 30 year olds. If my job is to educate, just give me the time to learn the material that I have to educate you in. And then I should be able to do it with the skill set that I have. There's just um, so much to love about what you just said right there, <laughs> because we've had a, we've had a few guests on the show that talk about, you know, we got to get out of these silos. You're an educator. You got to be adaptable. But you just nailed it right there. You're a teacher. Teach. Plain and simple. Yeah. That's it. Wow. That's Keep it. going, please. During my first year of teaching, I also embarked on a, uh, a master's degree. I was able to complete my master's degree through the University of Calgary. It's an interdisciplinary degree where my research was actually focused on combining STEM education. So for those that uh, aren't aware of what STEM education is, it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics with sports. Uh, and that's where my passion for sports uh, really comes in is the, the science behind of of what we could do on a, on a sports field or a sports court or on the ice. So my goal is to hopefully incorporate that into curriculum at some point in time. I'm hoping in the next couple of years here to start, uh, to start a doctorate in that, in that field as well and really pursue that. And now I am teaching, like I said, uh, high school math and English. I'm absolutely loving every minute of it. I get to interact with kids again here in Alberta where I get to see them face to face. I get to chirp them. I get to gain their trust. I get to be a part of something that's more than just living life by breathing and eating. It's I get to interact with these young humans and hopefully be an influence of some capacity for them to be great, great people later on in the future. So it, it seems to me as though you've really taken that mantle of lifelong learner and you, and you live it. You live it. it. You know, whether it's throw me the course, I don't know, I'll learn it, I can teach it, or I'm going to continue my education in the fields that I'm passionate about. But it's, it's, it's a never stop learning mindset. It's, when, whenever we decide to stop learning anything, we fail as humans. I think so. That's a personal opinion. Because um, you always should be learning something. Well, you've hit on some really great points there. But what, what, one thing I do want to go back to, and, and this is just something that I, I find fascinating. Born, raised, Fort McMurray, came back, wanted to give back to the community, which is like tremendous. Uh, but I grew up in London, Ontario. And there's a saying, when, when you grow up in London, Ontario, you leave London, Ontario, or you will never leave because you don't have to. Everything is there, and especially more so now. So I, I'm just curious, like, 
what was it about Fort McMurray that you like, I grew up here, I love here, I want to stay here? Like a lot of people usually want to get away from their home. Well, for me, it's it's the community for the longest time uh, and the people that that I've, I've built relationships with here, even though a lot of them left. I've, I've tried the bigger city a little bit during the fire. So when we were evacuated from the fire in 2016, uh, we were down in Edmonton for about two and a half months, which isn't really living in Edmonton, uh, you know, as a metropolitan, but I couldn't stand the big city. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand the, the traffic. I couldn't stand uh, the hustle and bustle. In Fort McMurray, it's a little bit more laid back. You've got nature all around you. There's so much you can do. You know, when people move up here and you know they say, oh, there's nothing to do. Well, you're not looking hard enough because pre-COVID, you had everything, everything. for everybody. Everything. everything for everybody. Are you into theater? Cano Theater puts on amazing shows. Are you into music? There's so many different community ensembles that you could do. Are you into sports? There's ice rinks up the yin-yang here that's oh, you know, in the winter. Insane. <laughs> it's, it's courts, outdoor courts, uh, beach volleyball. Like There's the ability to do things here without the hustle and bustle of, of a city is tremendous. The only thing I wish there was more of is the ability to watch more events here, such as professional sports. Because um, even like from an entertainment standpoint, they've gotten some big names to come up to Fort McMurray and play concerts. Absolutely. Right. So for people that enjoy that type of thing from big cities, well, like, you know, whoever is in charge of that has been pulling their weight and is doing some fantastic things. So for me, as, as a person who enjoys sports and as a person who is so passionate about that as well, to see it at the highest level would be something really cool to see. But, that also makes the excuse of, hey, let's do a trip down to Vegas and watch the Golden Knights or let's do a trip out to Toronto or, or whatever the case is. No, I, I, like, I love to hear the passion you have for the place you grew up with. And, and I think that's, that's you know, this podcast, by the way, is not sponsored by the municipality of Fort McMurray. Just, just, <laughs> just so we're clear, yeah. uh, Fort McMurray Tourism did not sponsor this. Although if they wanted to, hey, you know, please, uh, I, you know, I could use a new mic. But uh, no, I, I, th- I think that's wonderful. I think that's, that's absolutely amazing just to have that love for where you're from and to want to give back to it. Uh, but, but one of the reasons we wanted to bring on the show is because you are a teacher who gives a lot of your time to coaching and you've mentioned that in your love of sports. Can you talk about how you got into the coaching side of education and how you hone that craft as both a teacher and a coach? Yeah. So uh, for me, I became a coach at a fairly young age, started coaching club basketball and, and younger school teams, even though when I was in high school, because Although I love sports and I play at a very intense level, it was never at a high level. I was never an elite athlete. I was always good at all the sports, but I wasn't great enough to, to do anything with it. And then I, somebody mentioned, you know, uh, a certain leadership ask, you know, a trait that I had. And they were like, hey, you know, you'd be really good at working with these kids. You, you make great connections with them at that time. And, you know. They could really use somebody like that. So I took my knowledge. I uh, I coached a, I think it was a five, grade five six basketball team at the time when I was in uh, my senior year at high school. And they went from being last in the city to winning a silver medal. And the jubilation I got from not only the kids, but the parents, when I was a kid still at that time, I guess kind of just lit a, I don't want to say a spark, it ignited an entire fire in me to, to coach. And it's something where it's becoming difficult teaching and coaching 
And this year was kind of a blessing not having any sports, especially with a, a newborn uh, that was that was blessed three months ago. Oh, congratulations. Um, wow. Thank you. Thank you. My wife is, is absolutely amazing. But obviously, uh, with with her being so amazing, she also supports the coaching that I do and the time that's taken away because it is so much time that there's so much time that's put in there. It, it becomes exhausting where you don't see your family as much as you want to. Um, during the volleyball season, I was at the school from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., mm-hmm. Monday to Friday, and then not including the weekends that we would you know, travel out of town, especially being in Port McMurray, where we'd have to travel quite a bit. And that's something that was always hard to balance, but it's at the end of the day, going back to what I'm passionate about. I was able to do this without any compensation, and a lot of coaches that do do it, do it for the love of, of the sport and do it for the love of the connections they have with the kids. And seeing the reward of the success, not so much on the playing field, but uh, the growth of, of those student athletes. And to me, I'm trying to personally switch my mindset from a developmental coach to more of a competitive coach. Because even at a varsity level, I just focused on, well, I want you to get better. I want you to get ready for the next phase, you know, if you want to pursue this further on. So I started sacrificing team success for individual success for my athletes in order to possibly succeed later down uh, later down the line. So there's definitely but, a balancing act there in that coaching field because, yeah, at one hand, I'm coaching high school athletes and I, I want them to be the best they can be at their sport and as human beings. But I also know that, you know, there may be scouts from a universities from Canada and the United States looking at these students and to get into those tournaments, you know, you need to be... Uh, a good team. You need to be a competitive team. And and that was really hard for me to kind of balance out. And just like anything, you know, you kind of have to lay the foundations and, and groundwork. And my time coaching at the school level, it was, I had a, a group of, a group of athletes that were with me for four years. And this would have been their last year at the school. And, you know, we were set up to, to kind of win it all with the skill sets that we've developed and built. You know, COVID threw a wrench in that, but that's kind of, you know, we talked about it. That was the least of our worries. Our safety and their safety was was uh, you know the priority. But it's a definitely balancing act with the team aspect in itself, whether it's developing the athletes or, you know, create a winning team and have kids not play, as well as it's development balancing act uh, between teaching and coaching as well. I found myself to the point where there was days I was lacking and not giving my all to the teaching side because I was so focused on the game that was coming up that week. And I would find myself giving assignments to kids and then at my desk and looking at game plans and figuring out what to do, which was something that's very difficult. But that goes to the point of if I wanted to coach, I'm going to do it 100%. Right? If I'm going to put my effort into coaching, I'm not going to, you know, all right, here's the lineup, go do what you do, and then sit on the side and hope you know, results happen. I had to look at the strategies, uh, the countermeasures that we had to do, uh, you know, plans A, B, C, D, E, what happens if a player gets injured, what happens if they counter this strategy. And the really the tactical side of coaching, you know, takes up a lot of time. And if somebody that's passionate about it, you know, understands that, it's really hard to balance that with a full-time full-time job like teaching and teaching is not just a you know a nine to five yeah, it's, it's a full-time a plus 
right? It's, you know, I had kids. So our practices were always at six o'clock in the evening. Our school finished at, you know, 3.30. Between 3.30 and six o'clock, I had study hall in my classroom, not only for my athletes, but for any of my other students that needed extra help. So whatever that case may be, it's, it's it was really hard to find time to do the coaching properly. And then I found it taking away from some of my, my teaching abilities some days because that was my focus. That was the one that I was uh, horse shutters. What do you call those things? Oh, uh, blinders. Horses, blinders, right? And that was my focus uh, for that. So it's such a tough balancing act, but I got into it because of the coaches that I've had and, uh, and the impact they had on, on my life and the lives of, of you know, many of my, my teammates in the past where I remember vividly almost getting into a fight in my freshman year and me and this young man were about to square off and in the back of my head it's like if I get into this fight I'm kicked off the basketball team and it's at that instant moment I had to weigh it out it's all right do I you know swallow my pride and back away and be called names and still get to do what I love to do, which is play sport? Or do I throw my passion out for, you know, five seconds of glory of either getting dropped or dropping somebody? <laughs> like it, it's, uh, well, my bet would have been that, on you, but no, I see, I see what you're saying. But it was, it was at that moment that made me realize, man, like sports and, and these coaches have such a high impact in somebody's life where it can instantly change a certain decision that could change you know an entire outcome for them later down the road at the end of the day it's it's more than just a sport and i think you know if you've played a sport at any point in time it's what those coaches do off the court as well that that help you're just you're just hitting so many good points right here and, and you're like what it was actually a beautiful transition because that's what I want to ask you about next is, is the relationship students have with coaches, right? You're, you're talking about this right now. It's so much different than what they have with their teachers. Can, can you talk about the positive effects that coaches have on students? Like you told from your perspective and what it meant for you. And now that you're a coach, how do you see it in your students? Uh, for me, well, I, have, I was trying to find uh, the statistic or survey that I read a few years back before I got on with you folks. And it was a survey done at a high school down south. And it asked student athletes, who do you trust the most? And it listed coaches, teachers, parents, uh, friends, so on and so forth. And number one on that list was coaching. And that shows the relationship that a coach has with their athletes. Because that athlete, for the most part, if you have a solid relationship, will come to you about anything and everything, whether it's school, whether it's home life. Uh, whether it's an issue with friends, whether it's relationship issues. And that's a that's a heavy burden to carry because all of a sudden now you have to know the lines. And these relationships that, that coaches have with, with their athletes, especially at the school level as well, right? And, you know, I heard your previous podcast where you don't want to touch the idea of is it student athlete or athletic student. Um, but from a coach's perspective, it's a student athlete. As long as they're in school and not getting paid for what they're doing, they're a student first athlete second and the relationship that that you have to build in my perspective is create good human being because some of them might go on to play a lot of them will not go on to play unless you're a selfish coach that are using these kids to push your agenda forward whether for example that's me you know 
benching uh, benching a player because I want to win this certain championship because I see a scout scouting me as a coach to go coach somewhere. Hmm. Right. And and it, you see that sometimes where coaches will do it to push their own agenda. Well, I'm going to win and not worry about this kid's morale or this kid's uh, well-being or, or the development because I want my name to be up in lights as one of the best coaches of all time. When at the end of the day, we're with them for such a short period of time in regards to the seasons that, uh, you know, the relationships that you have to build is – is something of safety. You need them to be safe to come to you. And that's something that's also a very, uh, very heavy burden is because the responsibility you have now with these kids is past schooling, right? It's past the, the classroom. It's now in a gym where there's, you know, physical trauma that could happen. Um, I had one of my athletes uh, break her, break her femur a couple of years back, a clean, a clean, Oh, we, wow. know, we know all and, about broken femurs on this show. Wow. Um, and, and having to deal with that and, and supporting the family in that aspect as well and, and, and comforting uh, all the parties involved, it's, uh, it's a heavy burden for sure. And, and the relationship aspect is the most important thing. Even to get your kids to be able to perform at the level you want them to, you have to make sure that the relationship is there. We could take this at a professional level. Vito, I don't know if you're a hockey fan or not, but the Maple Leafs yeah. a couple of years ago just fired Mike Babcock because what he did to Mitch Marner because mm-hmm. that relationship piece wasn't there. Patrick Laine just pieced out from Winnipeg and Pierre-Luc Dubois just left Columbus because the relationship wasn't there with the coach. And that's at the highest level. That's people getting paid millions of dollars. So how does it work with these young athletes and their only objective is to enjoy the game that they love while hopefully developing if you as a coach aren't building that relationship with them to ensure that, hey, you know what, you're going to do good. And if you don't do good, we'll do better the next time. And whatever the case may be, it's just ensure their their safety, their success as a human. And I, I want to jump in on that point because one of the things that I'm really getting from what you're talking about is the level of professionalism that the teacher coach needs to have needs to be huge because like you said these young people they they want to go to the coach but as a professional teacher we have you know channels and streams that we need to go to when we hear certain things and and i just think you know it's not necessarily that it has something i haven't thought of before but it seems as though that's a that comes in even more prominently when you're a teacher, but you're not necessarily in the classroom teaching role. So when you hear something that you know is a, we need to elevate this to counseling services or administrative Mm -hmm. services, and that's a really hard line to walk, but it's a level of professionalism that needs to be so high when you're operating as that coach who's also a teacher. Well, and that's, and you hit the nail on the head. Uh, if a kid comes up to you with certain thoughts that they're having, but they're comfortable to come talk to you, it's being able to find the, all right, I have to remember I'm a teacher first, coach second. And always, always. My, mm-hmm. Right? And my code of conduct is I can't deal, like I'm not a counselor. Right? I'd love to, you know, try to give you life advice in this situation. My job is to walk you off the ledge far enough to get you to where you need to be. And that's 
dealing with accounts or, or whatever the case is. But it's if the way I've worked it in the past is, listen, you are trusting me enough to come to me with this problem. I trust this person enough, whether it's the counselor or, or you know the chaplain or whoever the case at the school is. I trust this person enough that they could handle your problem. I wouldn't send you to them if I didn't trust them. I wouldn't send you to them if I didn't have a relationship that I know that your best interests are in their mind as well. And once I was able to kind of establish that connection with the student as well, that, listen, I know you're my athlete. I know these are things that are going on in your life. I thank you for sharing them with me. However, my hands are tied, not because I want them to be tied, but it's my, my professional capacity is only so far with that as well. I need you to go see somebody who's going to help. I've been blessed where every student athlete that has come to me with certain problems, I was able to direct them to the proper channels and they got the help they needed because I was they were able to trust me and I was able to trust the people you around were, me. You right? were that so, first contact. They might have, if they didn't have you, they might, that first contact may never have happened. And, and that's the thing. And it's it's watching these kids grow and we all go through things every one of us, even as adults. And it's having that first contact, having that person that you can go to that can help guide you. Because when you're in a certain mental state, whether it's on the court or not, you need somebody that's going to be able to ground you and let you see what needs to be seen. And and that's the biggest thing. And I don't know if that made any sense. Uh, no, but in my head, no, that's perfect. No, that was, and, that's why I didn't in, in my head, it did, right? If, if I'm, you know, shooting uh, 20%, you know, from the field and on a basketball court, I need to have the relationship with my coach that I can look at them, ground myself, and realize that I could do other things to be successful. The athlete looks at me in a state of mental distress, and I could reassure them that there's other things they could do to be successful instead of coming to me that's going to the counselor. Instead of coming to me that's going to uh, a professional uh, psychologist. At the end of the day, it's it's watching these kids grow is is huge. And it's, it's such a rewarding thing because even though I didn't do anything to help that kid specifically off the court, having them live their life and to continue to live their life and to live their life to the fullest and to the best of their abilities, uh, because I was able to guide them to a certain place. That's the best thing, you know, the best thing you could ask for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I love how you're framing this as well to say this is about your growth and getting you to the people that I trust as well. Like I like the fact that you trust me and here's who I trust and here's the connection that you need to make because um, you made that first connection with me. And I, I'm guessing this is also the reason why this huge trust that students have in their coaches, these athletes have in their coaches, it's so heartbreaking um, to hear about stories when that trust is broken. And you, you hear those stories and, and you just, you, you crumble, you crumble because you know how sacred that trust is and uh, how easy that could be uh, abused and, and manipulated. It's, and it's so that, that, that's that, I, like, I, I didn't mean to go there, but no, like, but does that way, like that, that must weigh like just that, because that, well, as a, as a Catholic me, educator, every time I hear a story like that, <laughs> I, I crumble. It weighs, it weighs heavily on the back of my mind every time I step onto a court, because especially with me coaching female sports mm-hmm. and man, like these young ladies are putting so much trust in me. Their families are putting so much trust in me. I better live up to the expectation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of the flip side to it is 
I was in high school and somebody was accused of something when they didn't do anything, but because there was, you know, a vendetta to the coach for not playing the player. And that's something else in the back of my head. It's I'm in a very vulnerable position as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not so much that one of my athletes have to say anything. Somebody else could accuse me of something. And all of a sudden my entire career is in shambles. And it's such a, it's a, such a fine line. It's such a scary thing. You've really just. Floodgates have been opened. Like everything that, you know, we, we, we all feel vulnerable about as educators as well. And I, I appreciate that. Thank you. So for, 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 for going there, like, I really do appreciate you for, for opening that up because this is a tough subject because I think it plays in all of our, I think it plays in all of our, minds as well even as as educators it's like i I want to be there for my students Uh, what's going to happen am i crossing lines is someone going to call me and i i think it's wonderful that you have that relationship and that you built that trust with your athletes that they can feel comfortable to approach you and to get your have your back like that speaks volumes about not only your dedication but your your willingness to go in the trenches with them. And what he said too, Vito and, and Sobi, what I just really liked there is we, we just kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole of some of the, the kind of things that, to be honest, when you jump into that coaching role or, or a teaching role or a mentorship role can be kind of scary. But you, I think you said it perfectly, uh, and I'm paraphrasing what you said here, but we need to live up to the best expectations. There's no you know, taking time off to be mediocre for a little bit, even and and Vito, like you've said, um, a few weeks ago, you you shared about how it's been tough. Um, But even in that toughness, we have to rise to the occasion. Um, But let's let's jump into the next question, Vito. It takes a lot of work and commitment to be a great coach for any any school athletic team. And, you know, we just wanted you to tell us about the grind and really how it relates and affects your life as a classroom teacher as well. Yeah, no, like the the grind is is tough. Like I said, right, and I, and I said early on, it it was almost a part time job. I was working a part time job coaching a high school varsity team, and that's separate from community coaching that we you would do outside the season. Um, but it's you know you're there for the kids, and when you have certain athletes for you know as long as that I did, um, sometimes you know not seeing the success on the court, but seeing the success off the court. Um, you know, I had uh, one of my students message me the other day saying that she got into a university down in the States and she's going to pursue, you know, uh, her medical, uh, her medical degree. Uh, and then she's like, oh, but I'm going to try to walk on to the volleyball team. Hmm. Um, or I had, you know, one girl who, if I said boo, she would just break down and cry. And then by last year, she would talk back to me whenever I would you know, be pushing a little too hard or, uh, you know, say something that that didn't flow just right with her. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, she became this very strong, independent young woman when, you know, three years previous to that, she would, you know, have her head down on the ground and, you know, cry every time I would, I would critique her in any capacity. So it's, it's those, those things that reward that grind. It rewards the long evenings. It rewards the weekends and the travel and being around stinky kids on the bus back. Like if you've ever coached and you travel with these kids, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that that Saturday, 
evening drive back is one of the toughest things you have to endure <laughs> because of the bo that some of these young kids have <laughs> um, they've been playing four games and then it's hey we're jumping in a metal uh, bus together and you know but it's it's all it's all worth it when it comes down to little things whether it's winning a championship or whether it's seeing your kids succeed in life or whether it's somebody, you know, building up the courage to, to stand their ground to a, to a bully or to, you know, to stand their ground to, to ask somebody out or whatever the case is. But it's building that confidence in these kids and it's building that trust. And it's like I said earlier, it's you know, hoping that they grow into good human beings. I just want to piggyback off this. I think it's very clear for our listeners because I know it's clear for Vito and it's clear for me that you're a coach, that you're coaching the sport, but your goal is the life of the student. I think that's become so clear. But then what happens when you have, and I think anyone who's coached can probably say like, what do you do when you see the success in the sport, but you're not seeing the success in life? You're not seeing the success as a student. You're not seeing the success as a, as a citizen. What are some of the things you do aside from, and like you've always already said, like if there's issues that are, you know, counseling services or chaplain services or administrative services, but what are some of the things you do when a student just, there's no issue like that, but it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm only an athlete. I'm not a student or yeah, I'm on the team, but I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want when when they don't understand that the goal is to be the best person that they can be when it's just the sport. And yeah, I only jump you like that because I've heard so many amazing stories about you. No, and uh, for me, it's tough. I, I always start off the season with respect the coaches, respect your teammates, uh, respect yourself. And at the end of the day, hold yourself to a standard where you're representing yourself in the capacity that you're going to make yourself proud. I've kicked amazing players off my team. I have done that in the past because at the end of the day, it's I want to hold them to a professional standard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're Just not like you're paid, holding yourself hold to. You to the standard of, of getting paid. And the idea of, you know what, you know what, we might not be meshing. This relationship isn't, you know, uh, as cohesive as I thought it would be. You know, our dynamics aren't, aren't working. Uh, you don't think I'm doing what's in your best interest. Hopefully, you know, you find somebody that's going to be beneficial to you. And I hate saying it like that because it makes it sound like I'm giving up on the kid. But at the end of the day, you try so many times and then, you know, baseball analogy, three strikes and you're out. So there has and, to be consequences there. You know, there are consequences for our actions. I've, I've seen people and I've been around coaches where, you know, kids flunking and all oh, he's going to play in the big game well whether he's failing or not well like that makes no sense to me because we, we said earlier it's student athletes and there has to be consequences for actions does that mean you know a negative uh negative consequences well welcome to the world if i break a law what's going to happen i'm going to get a ticket i'm going to be put in jail i'm going to get prosecuted whatever the case may be if a professional athlete breaks the bylaws of the collective agreement that that league has there's repercussions of getting fined getting suspended so on and so forth so why are we not holding our student athletes to that same that same capacity when instead we're just giving them you know uh, free rides throughout this journey instead of having them learn. Well, it doesn't something. seem that Mr. Hamed is, and, and that's awesome. And that's awesome. You know, and, you'd and, rather and see us. 
Uh, so you'd rather so. see a student succeed in their life, even if they are one medal short. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also that, that that's part of what it is too—the tough love and to say, you know what, you're this is it. That's I'm sorry. Like I, I've done all I can, and, and you're done. And at that time, that student might not appreciate it, but down the road, you know, they might be a completely different person. I always like to think of a student as not someone you have right now, but somebody who's going to be developing for life. And you never know where they're going to be 20 years later. And they're going to be like, oh, you know and, what? Yeah, I was kind of a jerk. I, I really deserve that. And it's funny you say that, video, right? It's students for life. I tell every one of my athletes, once you're my athlete, once, and I tell that to all my students, but my athletes more so just because there's a, an extended part of the relationship. Uh, my volleyball girls are not my volleyball girls. They're my daughters. Every single one of them. I had 13 daughters. And now with all my coaching that I've done, I think I'm at like 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're my daughters for life. Their success is my success. Their shortcomings are my shortcomings. And same thing with, with coaching boys, right? Those are my, my sons. It's like, I look at it as a father figure, right? It's at the end of the day, it's if you succeed, hopefully I've done enough to help that. If you fail, I haven't done enough to not have you fail as a coach whether that's on the field or off of it and there are students for life and i tell that to my kids once you're a student of mine once you're a student of mine forever i like to end my classes that way as well my last day i i, I said the same thing we're i'm totally vibing here chris we're, we're, we're big we're vibes on the same page here big vibes. big vibes here and my goodness we, we have to bring you back on to talk about your classroom teaching as well i know we focused on coaching but uh, I know this bleeds into your classroom, and I, I would just be dying to hear how, how that functions. Well, what is teaching other than coaching the material? Oh, okay, so you want to open that door? Like, how, how does this <laughs> apply to the classroom then? Like, how does your coaching work in the classroom? What's, what's the practical connections here we can make? It's the same way. You want an athlete to do something, build that relationship. You want the student to do something, build that relationship. I had a kid come in who was sent to my English 10-2 class. And all I heard was, this kid does no work, this kid does nothing, yada, 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 yada. Two days in, I had the kid reading and writing for me. Another teacher was like, how would you do that? I was like, talk to the kid, damn it. Like, 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 <laughs> like what, what do you know about this young man? Like, what do you know about them? What, like, how are you connecting with any of these kids? And that's where, like, sometimes I put myself in positions where, I'll try to understand certain things that I'm not even interested in just to help a kid connect. Like, listen, all right, you're interested in this. We could chit chat about this after the class is done. And then if you tell a kid to do something, guess what? They'll see that you have their best interest in place. And this is something that, you know, Chris and I have been hammering over and over and over and over and over again, right off the bat. It starts with the relationship with the students. And I don't know how many guests we've had on saying you teach students, you know, you know like you don't teach material. And, and put the students at the center of this curriculum. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've stopped curriculum. I have to teach this curriculum stuff because it's what I'm paid to do. But at the end of the day, I care about you. And once you tell that to the kids, be open with the kids. But at the foundation of it all is the relationship and respect we have with one another. Amen. That That's brilliant. Like, I, I just... I can't follow that up. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, um, Vito, uh, are yeah. you wearing a digital watch tonight? Because you know what time no. it is. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's Paulson points, points time. time. Wow. Wow. 
this is the uh, this is the rabbit hole episode and and okay so I know that I mean you know there's vibes when Vito says that there's vibes but we have been talking tonight with Sobi Hamed and I think the listeners probably now know what we already knew about this gentleman that he is uh he's the real deal he's the real deal he's not in it for uh Sobi Ahmed he is in it for the students but let's jump into those Polson points tonight uh number one sometimes you need to make big moves uh, his big move uh, was intentionally failing a diploma. Uh, I'm not necessarily condoning offend, uh, intentionally failing things, but he needed to make a big move in his life. And for him, it looked one way. For you, it might look another way. But sometimes we need to make big moves, whether that means trying out this new unit that we think is really going to be out there or asking to teach something we might be a little uncomfortable with. Uh, sometimes we need to make big moves. Moving on, pulse and point, the second. Find the balance. In all you do, find the balance so that you can be happy, so that you can be healthy. Find the balance. Number three, and I thought this, this, this almost, Vito, this almost became the big vibe of the night, but it didn't. That's how, that's how good this guy was. We earn the trust of our young people. We do. We earn the trust of our young people, but that comes with a, that comes with a bit of a, a challenge. And that challenge is to nurture that trust lovingly and really professionally. Pulse and point number four from Sobi Hamed. We need to live up to the best expectations, whether it's in front of the students in the class, whether it's presenting to the board, whether it's in the capacity of a coach, whether it is as a family member or a friend or whatever it is, we need to live up to the best expectations. And I really think that's because the people who expect things from it are worth the best. They're, they're worth our best. Another one that almost made the big vibes, our fifth and final pulse and point of the night. Once they're your student, once they're your athlete, they are always your student. Or they're always your athlete. And I think that's huge. But wait, there's more. We got the big vibe of the night, the Vito. The big vibe, here it big is. Big vibe of the night, Sobi Hamed. Remember, whether they're three... Whether they're 30, whether they're 80, whether it's math, science, religion, L.A., whether it's P.E., we are educators. That's what we do, so never forget it. And those are your pulse and points and big vibe for the Sobi Hamed episode. Thank you so much, Sobi. No worries. It's a pleasure pleasure to be chatting with you folks. This was an unbelievable experience. If I could end off with one thing, uh, it's, uh, people usually say practice makes perfect. Then you hear people say perfect practice makes perfect. But just a couple of days ago on my Facebook history, apparently I said this many moons ago, it's practice makes history. So make sure whatever your profession is, whether you're an educator, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a father, whether you're a mother, whether you're a son, child, practice being the best you could be and you will make history. The Sobi Hamed point for the no, night. The Sobi Hamed show. We are, we were, I'm out of here, Chris. You, you have a new co-host. We have, uh, you got the job. Vito, we have to talk after. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love that because I, when I was playing hockey, it was always perfect practice makes perfect and, and no, practice makes history. Oh, 
Well, there, there we go, folks. Uh, so thank you so much, so much for being here. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Unapologist podcast. Join us next week when we'll talk with great people, learn new ideas, and tell the story of teaching as it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off. Podcast.